Hello and welcome to the Covert Nerd Podcast. I'm excited you're here and excited about this new episode. I wanted to preface this episode by mentioning that when we recorded this, I was battling a cold. So I want to apologize in advance for the coughing and the nasally voice that I have during this episode. And I also want to thank Lee Bachma for coming on the show for another nerd deathmatch. It's always a good time when we get together and nerd it up about comics and all things nerdy. So without further ado, let's dive right in and nerd it up. Comics have been read. Action figures assembled. Video games have been played. A battle decades in the making. Two nerds enter the arena to do battle. Two nerds leave the arena more nerdy than ever. It's time for a nerd deathmatch. For those of you that may not know what the nerd deathmatch is, I'll explain it real quick. Simply, we pick three characters, teams, or figures from fiction. They can be comic books, TV, movies, whatever. And then we pit them against each other in a fictional deathmatch that we call it. And so we've called it the Nerd Deathmatch. This is the third one. So if you want to hear the rest of them, you can go back in the archives at covertnerd.net and listen to the other Nerd Deathmatches that we have. I'm here with Lee Bachma. So say hi, Lee. Hey, how you doing, Lee? <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show again and for the third installment of the Nerd Deathmatch. I'm looking forward to uh, getting it on like Donkey Kong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These are always fun because I always I think I referred it to in a in one of our Facebook chats or groups that it's a 90% character study, 10% death matches, and 100% fun. So it's just <laughs> it's just fun to get together with you and do this. And I know you've been busy working on a project together with some other local artists and podcasters on a project with some of your artwork yep and i think it's going to be fun and i'll just tease it that way and i think you as a listener will love it when it comes out i'll make sure that everybody hears about it it's going to be a good time yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a great project we've got all sorts of talent from across the area including yourself doing some co-writing some other other local podcasts some other local comic creators and we've all kind of come together to make this fun thing coming out for o-comic-con this summer i think it's going to be the big uh Big launch. The big launch for our surprise. Yeah. yeah. Semi-surprise project. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's always fun to get together and do lots of nerdy things together. So that's why I like these nerd death matches and other things. So it's fun. So let's dive right in. And like I said, the way it works is we pick, we have three different teams or groups of people. And we title them. And we try to keep them kind of similar to each other. So when we pit them against each other, it's, it's a fair fight. Because we don't want Aunt May taking on Godzilla. That's a little... A little out of uh, out of whack, but that would be fun though. <laughs> I get Godzilla. <laughs> Wait, remember she does? She has a uh, wheat cakes. That she does have the wheat cakes. So yeah. I'm not sure if Godzilla falls for the wheat cakes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We kind of have some mismatches a day. I think. I think you're in. Yeah. I think you're in for some trouble there. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. But yeah, I, I was a little confident, but now hmm, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But so the first one we've titled the Teen Team Tussle. So try saying that three times. (laughs) Teen Team Tussle. And we are pitting the Teen Titans. So Lee Bachma has the Teen Titans and then I have the Misfits of Science. So let's go ahead and let Lee go first. All right. So, yeah, we we went with the the Teen Team Tussle, which you're right. It's hard to say. So (laughs) uh, I thought back to one of my favorite team 
of teens that had superpowers. For me, it was the Teen Titans. And I remember they came out like in the 60s, 1964, I think is exactly when they came out, a DC product. And it was initially kind of an idea where all the sidekicks of the Justice League kind of banded together and made their own super team. I didn't get in on that level in the 60s. My really first exposure to it was in the 80s when it was like relaunched. It's been relaunched like four or five times yeah. in comic form. It's had multiple animations and movies come out. But my first exposure was the early 80s, the George Perez arted comic. And I love George Perez's art style. And they kind of introduced some new characters. They weren't necessarily all the sidekicks. There was some some new folks I'm going to get into here. And that was my kind of real uh, exposure and love affair with the Teen Titans um, in the 80s. Anyway, like I said, it started out in the 60s with the, with the sidekicks. It had like Aqualad. Mm-hmm. Um, it had Robin. It had um, Donna Troy, which I think she's like a relative of Wonder Woman. Like, I don't, oh, I don't know if she's an exact okay. relation. She's like a cousin or I didn't know that. something like that. I mean, they were all the sidekicks. I think there was like Kid Flash, maybe yes, Superboy. And then Green Arrow's sidekick. Or was he uh, one of the originals, Speedy, though? Speedy. They might have added his name him. or something Speed, like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. But anyway, they, that was the original premise. In the 80s, when it came out, they kind of got away from that a little bit. And they kind of launched their own characters. And those are the ones I'm going to kind of stick with rather than the original or some of like the Teen Titans Go, but um, the newer versions yeah. of it. But uh, so the characters I'm going to select to do battle with your Misfits <laughs> of Science today. You've got Robin slash and or Nightwing, obviously okay. the Batman's uh, previous apprentice. He's, uh, you know, obviously raised by Batman, did all his sidekicking with Batman. And then he, he kind of goes off on his own, kind of grows up a little bit and becomes the leader of the Teen Titans. Very similar to Batman in abilities. He's just a normal guy with very heightened skills and training and um, gadgets and gizmos and equipment. So skilled acrobat, martial artist, uh, escapologist, criminologist. He knows uh, fencing, all sorts of weapon skills, uh, master of disguise and stealth, leadership skills. He has come into some wealth of his own, obviously, to make all these fancy gadgets. Oh. Unless he's still like borrowing from Bruce. Borrowing from Bruce, and <laughs> the interest is just rolling up. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he's like fluent in twelve languages, and so that's Robin. He's oh, the wow. leader of the group. He's the one that ties it all together. He's the brains. He's the he's the brains of the yeah. group and the leader. Um, the next character in the group is um, Beast Boy and or Changeling. He had two different names. Oh, he was originally a okay. member of the Doom Doom Patrol, and then he got kind of rebranded as a as a Teen Titan. Probably one of the my my favorite Teen Titans. He's kind of the comedy relief. He is. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, his real name Garth Logan. Uh, he as a boy, his sci- scientist parents took him to Africa on some sort of expedition. And he ended up contracting some strange, um, like, fatal disease. Oh, it wasn't a lab accident. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the few there. It wasn't a crazy lab yeah. accident. We'll get to that later. Yes. My other characters. <laughs> okay. That trope. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he contracts a disease. His, his parents decide to try to save him with some experimental research drug. Okay. And it ends up mutating him or morphing into him into... Uh, he has green skin and the ability to kind of morph into any animal he has ever seen or seen a picture of. So oh, if you've actually okay. seen, you know, like a dog or a horse or any sort of common animal, but then if he sees a picture of it, he can also morph into that as well. So if like he like looks at a book of dinosaurs, he can become a Tyrannosaurus oh, Rex. okay. Or he can like he sees like a microscopic picture of like a, a microbe or something. He can like oh, so he can down. shrink and grow. Yeah. And okay, to, like, I didn't know that. Grow. Yeah, and. Um, he also has a few other abilities. Uh, when he changes in that animal, he gains its abilities. So he gets the bear's strengths or like the fish's ability to, you know, breathe, breathe underwater or okay. bird's ability to fly. He also has some minor healing abilities. I found this out that um, he heals 
kind of quickly, like if he gets beat up like in a few hours or a day, he'll be he'll be good to go again. There was even one episode, I guess, where he like had a limb cut off and he re- regrew that in a couple days. So regeneration. Yeah, and I don't know if that's like the animal ability, like because I know some like chameleons have yeah. the ability to like starfish do starfish. So maybe he's gaining that sort of like ability to regrow limbs like an animal. I'm assuming okay. that's where that premise comes from. What I find interesting about what the Beast Boy or the Changeling is, humans are obviously animals. Okay. So he could change into a human, right? Yeah. And I think it's addressed in the comic. Well, why would he? Because he always has to be green, right? So if yeah. he, it, it wouldn't be like a feasible disguise for him to like change into someone and try to pretend, you know, be that person because his skin is green. But then I thought like, well, what if uh, he turned into a human that had like powers that a normal human didn't have? Oh, like, like Superman, like, well, Superman's certainly not human. Okay. That's true. But if you took like, so I don't know if you consider a Kryptonian an animal, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but like if you look at all these mutants, like yeah. let's just use like the Flash. For yes, instance, okay. Like the lab accident, right? Yeah, so he's a mutated human, but he's technically still an animal. So could he turn into the Flash and have super, super speed? speed? Or if you wanted to like blend mm. Marvel and DC, you know, could he turn into Bruce Banner and become the Hulk? Become the Hulk. Good point. Or Cyclops or whatever. You whatever. Fill any, in the blank. Any, yeah, any metahuman. Human. So he, he could be really a powerful. Uh, forced to reckon with, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. If he can change into an animal and gather their abilities, can he change into another human and gather their abilities? Yeah, if they're like a mutant, superpowered human. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think... Maybe there's a fan out there of Teen Titans where like, yeah, that's been done and it has whatever it be, uh, yeah. consequence or something, but some I was just thinking about, like, what? You know, he could be like a wrecking ball. Sure, <laughs> and sure. And to all these different... You know, the speed of Flash, the strength of Hulk, the... All in, I wonder if he can get those powers. Can he... Can he amalgam animals, I, I wonder? I don't Combine think so. Combine with the bear, with the snake? Or? I don't think so. I okay. don't think he's ever made like some weird... Weird, like, yeah. Hybrid. Snake bear. I turn into the chimera. Yeah, A okay. lion's head. Okay, Snake's okay. Body. Yeah, but... Uh, huh. Anyway, so that's Beast Boy Beast changing. Boy. Uh, the next member is Raven. Uh, she's the daughter of a demon. Yeah. Trigon and a uh-huh. human. Yeah. And uh, she's kind of like the mystic of the group, I guess. And that's the okay. trope role that she sort of fills. Uh, she's an import, empath who can... Um, not only understand other people's abilities, but alter them. So she can make you, you know, she can incapacitate you with sadness or she can make you feel oh. stronger with pride or whatever the case may be and give you like, either take you out of the fight or make you better for the fight. And she can read minds then assume she's an empath. To some sort of degree, okay. yeah. She's got some telekinetic abilities. Um, she can do like some astral projection where she takes her spirit self or I guess soul self. Yeah, that's what they call it, soul, soul self. Send it out. It's kind of like a little reconnaissance raven or whatever that she can kind of oh, like okay. look and see in other places. And actually, she can kind of do combat with that soul self as well to a minor. Okay. Um, so that actually degree. being there, she can project herself into a room and, and right. listen to what they're doing. Right. And then punch them, apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And she can fly, uh, she can absorb energy, she can manipulate shadows, and she has some limited precognition to kind of know what's going on in the future. So she's got kind of a wide range of wow, yeah. demonic abilities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but her dad's the devil or yeah, whatever. Try, you know. Yeah, try going to demon. So daddy issues. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm sure that plays a lot. Well, just the teen uh, aspect of this comic anyway, there's going to be like adult yeah. issues anyway, so the daddy issues got to fit in there somewhere oh, yeah. as the yeah. trope. but. Anyway, the next one, uh, Starfire. I'm going to kill her. Coriander is her, like, real name. <laughs> She's an alien from the planet 
uh, Tamaran in the Vega system. Huge orange-skinned yep. woman who is not a huge enthusiast of clothes. Yes. Uh, she wears yeah, I, like one of the skimpiest uh, superhero <laughs> costumes in all creation, I think. They play that a lot. I've seen her in comics and on and like in the animated versions of her. Because her and Robin have a thing. Right. She's the love interest with uh, yeah. Robin. Off, you know, And obviously it's a troubled relationship. Yes. And, and she's always oblivious to the fact that he's oogling over her a yeah. lot of times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So she's uh, she's not easy to shop for at the clothes department. No. It's just basically wears swimsuits. Yes. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. It, and, and racy ones at that. Anyway, uh, her body has the ability to convert UV radiation into energy. Uh, so she has super strength, you know, superhuman durability and endurance. And then she can also shoot out these star bolts in the form of energy. Okay. And then she also, when, you know, the crap hits the fan, she can go into like this, to steal from the last starfighter, a death blossom mode. <laughs> yes. where She just blasts the energy out <laughs> in all directions and kind of like, you know, clears the room, so to speak. She's kind of like Superman. Superman gets his power from the sun. Kind of. Yeah. I think she's kind of like a another alien gets yeah. powers from the sun. Uh, she's a little bit, well, not a little bit. She's a quite a bit weaker version than Superman. Yeah. From what I can tell in the comics... Um, as far as like ranking of hierarchy goes, like she could probably go toe to toe with Wonder Woman for like a hot minute, but after that, like she's um, Wonder Woman's going to have her. So oh, okay. obviously, Superman's like way more superpower than okay. her. Okay. But she's she's arguably maybe the most powerful, physically powerful Teen Titan. Sure, she's the muscle, I guess. The, okay, the tank, if you will. Okay, and, you know the trope of the yeah, uh, the, the, yeah. You've the, always got to have the muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so they they kind of played with that trope a little bit. We're like, hey, let's make the muscle like a girl who girl. wears skimpy bikinis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> yeah, rather than the <laughs> instead big of the head. big big. Lo- yep, there yeah, you go. Yeah, the, the thing or the Hulk, or yes. which often usually filled that uh, trope that role in a group. Right. Yep. Yeah, you've always got to have the muscle. Yep. Right. Okay. Um, the last of the Teen Titans that I'm going to include in the group that we're going to select to do battle with today is uh, Cyborg. Victor Stone, yep. uh, here's your lab experiment gone there we wrong. Go, right? yep. <laughs> so, uh, scientist parents again, uh, dabbling with something they shouldn't have been dabbling with, some interdimensional travel. This huge, like, tentacled, eyeballed creature or whatever comes through the interdimensional thing in a in a an experiment gone wrong, kills the mother scientist, like cripples young Victor, and Victor's dad decides I can you know, fix him with science, you know, okay. basically against his will, like not even knowing that his son, his son has like no consciousness in this decision or whatever. It just happens to him. So he wakes up and like his dad has made him into this robotic half robot, half yeah, human thing, abomination, you know, whatever. I think it's I a remember, gift, it's a curse. I remember like, yeah, reading about that, that he, he wanted to die rather than stuck in this. We live like this. So, yeah. Yeah. So his dad, like I can fix my boy. I'm going to make him into a human Swiss army knife. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's what he did. So Cyborg gains some superhuman strength, stamina with his robot side, uh, and speed as well. He has the ability to fly. He can do all sorts of interfaces with computers mm-hmm. and manipulate through any sort of um, automation system. He has super sight with his one like red eye. Yep. He can. He has all these little gadgets and gizmos that come out of his person, kind of like Inspector Gadget, I guess, if you will. Yeah, because it's his left arm or yeah. one of them. Yeah, one of his arms turns into like a cannon. Another one's like a sonic cannon. He's got like a grappling hook variety of other tools can like pop out all over the place he has the ability to like kind of self-repair um when he gets damaged he can kind of repair himself and then just beyond what his father gave him being the son of a couple really bright scientists he has like some genius level iq just IQ. going for himself so kind of with like robin nightwing he's also kind of the brains of the group he's okay. just not the leader per se sure 
Yeah. He's too angry at his dad to be the leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the, that's the five I'm going with in the in the okay. team tussle. All right. Well, I've got the misfits of science and uh, tune you in or update you as a listener to the misfits of science. It was a obscure 80s TV show came out in 1985 and only had 16 episodes on NBC. It's basically a cast of superpowered humans who work for a company called Humadine, the Humadine Institute, and they go on these adventures. They're kind of a mashup of the X-Men and the A-Team from the 80s is kind of what they are. I don't know. I've seen a few of these episodes. It might be a, a mashup of the X-Men and like the B-Team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason it was only one season. <laughs> but I just remember at that time, I thought, this is so cool. They're actually doing a, a kind of superhero-y, mutant-type TV show, which yeah. had never been done at that point as at far as time, I know. No, no, I think you're right. And um, I do remember um, what also I liked about this show is there was this... Um, sort of theme to it that it was like it was okay to be like different or yes. okay to be weird like that was kind of like their premise like we are the misfits you know it's okay to be you know weird you're, you're accepted here and yeah i like that theme you didn't see that a lot in a lot of 80s programming no either. no you've got all these weird powers and you don't know what to do and so they could come to this humadine institute and, and their leader billy said this is fine we're i'll, I'll help you mm-hmm. try to you know cope with your powers and Right. Maybe stop some bad guys in the process. Right, right. It, was, so. yeah, it kind of celebrated your differences or yeah, whatever. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it might actually more, be more of a cross of like X-Men and like Revenge of the Nerds. Almost. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There. <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah, it was only 16 episodes. There was one unaired episode, which later was shown on the Sci-Fi Channel and then over in Europe. It's kind of big in Europe, I guess, when I was doing the research. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. It was a little more popular there than here. <laughs> Yeah, neither. They also like David Hasselhoff too. So true. <laughs> anyway, so the cast of characters. First one was Doctor Elvin L. Lincoln. He was a really tall guy, seven foot one. He wasn't good at basketball. Yeah, it was kind of the the running gag. Yep. he was horrible at basketball, and he was tired of being tall because everybody saw him. Oh, you can come play basketball with us. Right. Everybody wanted him to do that. But he was horribly uncoordinated and yeah. lots of scenes in the pilot episode. He's trying to shoot the basketball. He misses, misses every totally. time. Yeah, <laughs> That was um, actually out of all the characters in the Misfits of Science that I recall, he was like the most interesting to me because the rest of them were, and you'll get into the rest of them, yeah. but they're very tropey, like to be expected, especially for like 80s mm-hmm. uh, programming. But you didn't like... That guy was like a legitimate seven foot tall actor. Yeah, he, he really was. was. Huge. Yes, yes. And then you know they tried to play against the stereotypes. Well, he's a tall guy or whatever, so let's make him terrible at basketball. And yeah. he hates his size or whatever. And it was just it was always interesting to me as opposed to like when you get into the characters, you'll see they're like, this is like classic you know, classic trope. You know? Yeah, yeah. You see these all the time. That's so a good point. I liked him as a character. Yeah, yeah. And he could his power. He he was tired of being tall and expected to be good at basketball, so he created this hormone that he can inject into his body by pressing a, a vertebrae on his neck you know to shrink him down to about seven inches 10 inches tall for i think he can only do it one for 14 minutes yep. so that was kind of the thing he only had 14 minutes to stay small and he only could do it once per hour right so he had a little bit of limitation there yeah. is the concept and he had which made i always thought it was funny and they, they talk about it when he would shrink he'd have to he'd be naked because he his clothes <laughs> wouldn't shrink with him yeah, oh yeah and so he always had to have these doll clothes that he had to pack with him and so that was every time you'd see him shrink you always went okay what's he gonna wear this time yeah and i remember like in the um 
the episode that I'm recalling, they had like this terrible like brown velour leisure suit. Yes. It was like from it was like Ken's clothes yes. from Barbie or yeah. something. Yeah, so he would get a lot of Ken's clothes. Yep, that was well, the I, gag. I think yeah, well I think they just probably did that because in the show I also remember whenever he was shrunk, like the other characters would, like pick him up mm-hmm. and like move him around so he could do stuff. And it was like so clearly like a Ken doll. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, you to make clothes for Ken it was like cheap just to buy the Ken clothes. Yeah. Like, why well, have specials? This is this yeah. the 80s and their budget was not very big. So oh, the special was... effects were minimal at best. Yeah, it was always like this quick, like off the side camera clip of them like carrying L around. Yes. And, like he's clearly a doll. It's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. So they'd use him to get into, you know, break into a room or whatnot. Right. And one of the, back to the doll clothes, one of them was Michael Jackson outfit that he had on and <laughs> and so yeah his character w- was pretty cool because of they because he didn't want to be tall anymore so he was doing it to get out of try to he, he didn't want to the idea was to shrink himself a little bit but he accidentally right. made himself shrink a lot right so but, instead of being seven foot one he's like maybe i can be six foot one right well i think at their heart like all the characters they wanted to be normal yes in a way and they were tired and, of being different right but then they came to the misfits of science and they, that's why i'm saying this theme of like celebrating their difference it became okay to be a misfit to yeah. be something different yeah like, exactly right now his his actor was kevin peter hall and he was in he played the predator in the predator movie he was the one in the suit really yes because he was the big guy and then he was also harry in harry and the hendersons Okay, well that makes sense. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize the predator was that big because that guy was humongous. You see him in the Misfits of Science, and he towers over oh, yeah. everybody. Yeah, that's the same guy. I they put that. when he was the predator, they put him in shoes that made him even taller. Yet, really, and then they they put kind of a bodysuit over him to make him even more muscular. But yeah, he was the one that did the predator in Predator One and Predator Two. Okay, yeah, because in the Predator, he was clearly a big guy, mm-hmm. but it, you lose some context because all the guys in Predator were like huge. They're like, big you know, guys, yeah. Arnold and all these ex wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when like Misfits of Science, when he's standing next to Courtney Cox, you're just like, holy. Yeah, hell. yeah. You see all the little promo shots, and yeah, he's a foot taller than everybody else, oh, yeah, minimum. He's huge. But he died actually fairly early. He died in 1991. He was born in '55. He wasn't very old, so I don't know wow. if. And actually, the funny thing was, is he did play college basketball. He was actually really good. Okay. And then his character couldn't play basketball. Sure. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. But yeah, sad that he he died. I don't know if maybe his height had something to do with it. I don't know. I don't remember huh. researching what happened. Okay. So we've got the, the, the guy that can shrink. The next one is Johnny Johnny B. Bukowski. So mm-hmm. his Johnny B. was his, <laughs> his character or his common name that they used. Right. Here we go. He was a musician, right. accident on stage, gets electrocuted. <laughs> now he absorbs electricity and can project it. Right. And he can also run really fast. Okay. Is his, but his weakness is water. If he gets near water, it burns his skin. Yeah. So I was always wondering, how does a guy like that take a shower? I, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Is like, you know, that guy uses a lot of, like, moist towelettes or something. Or some, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of deodorant. <laughs> yeah, but, so here, uh, not a lab accident, but, yeah, hey, why not? I get electrocuted. You know, most yeah. people die from that or get hurt. But, no, he gets powers. See, this is where, and we had this in the last Nerd Death Match, where finally the Wonder Twins could have a legitimate villain. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the guy who can turn into you know the water would totally roll. Oh yeah, a good point. He can easily get that bucket of water that Gleek's carrying around. Yeah, just throw it on him. Done, Johnny B. Yeah, Johnny B. And he kind of not good. Yeah, Johnny B. Burned. (laughs) So he was a musician. Had to give up his career because he couldn't be around electricity anymore. Because if you 
plug in an amp, he would just absorb all the electricity. Right. He got the the trope of having the glowing eyes because when he got enough electricity in him, he always he had the glowing he eyes. That's juiced up. Yeah, that's why he had to wear the sunglasses all the time. Yeah. Because he didn't want people to know that right. something was wrong with him. And so he had the trope of the glowing eyes, which we talk about, <clears throat> or you see that in a lot of movies. One of them was uh, Baymax in Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. When he goes bad, his eyes go red. And lots you can think of lots of other movies and TV shows That's where common. you get the glowing eyes. Yeah. And now, you're the, now you're the tough guy. Yeah, the, well, that was the big trope for me on Johnny B was like, He's the he's the bad boy with like yes. a heart of gold, you know, where he was the the rocker who yes now Re- he's rebel rocker the rebel rocker and now he's got this bad abilities he can't he can't rock anymore so he's like the loner and the lone wolf and but in the end he's got like this soft like heart of gold underneath yes. all this that was like the common you see that all the time oh a yeah lot of he tries to be tough right and but he's really not he really actually does care yeah. about everybody and everything a lot so. of leather jackets yeah he had the leather jacket and the spiked hair and the sunglasses and the the jean jacket i think on a couple of them but yeah i don't know if he rode a motorcycle either but that would add, that would just well. add to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he can run real fast in fact they did a little parody of him running against the six million dollar man if you remember in the late 70s they had the six million dollar man that could run real fast and mm-hmm. was real strong and so they kind of did it i guess on one of the episodes they did a parody of that okay and then also he went into the trope of and we see this sometimes too where you're going against a villain that's not so powerful so you have to all of a sudden miraculously not have as much power and so one time he's fighting or he's going to fight a regular guy and oh all of a sudden my electricity's gone i just don't have any juice anymore <laughs> and now it's a fair fight that's just lazy writing. Yeah. <laughs> One of them that came to mind as soon as I read that was back in the early 90s, they did a Spawn versus Batman crossover. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, when Batman and Spawn were ready to fight, Spawn suddenly just lost his powers and he was just a yeah. regular guy. And he just he had this big bubble of, oh no, I don't know what happened. And Batman <laughs> pounds him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say this to you, Lee, but I think today in a couple of our matchups, you're going to need that help. Where, where my yes. team has to be depowered a little bit. Yes. And this I, actually might be one of those matchups. This might be one of those matches, <laughs> yeah. Right now, right now, I'm thinking just Changeling alone can roll all the misfits of science. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so we have Johnny B. He's the, the fast electrical, so he can shoot energy, whatnot. Next one is Gloria Danalo, who's played by Courtney Cox. And she's a telekinetic, so she can move objects with whatever she sees. So if you blindfold her, though, if she can't see it, she can't move it. That's her kryptonite. That's her kryptonite, so to speak. 12 inches of cloth. That's her, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's her her sudden power down trope is just blindfold her, and she can't can't do anything at that point. Or just turn off the lights. (laughs) There you go. She can't find in the dark. Can't find you in the dark. That's right. Her thing is she got her power. She claims her mom was an alien. Her dad was an alien, excuse right. me. Did she claim she that, or does like, her mom claim that her... Her mom claimed that, and right. so she got into a lot of trouble. She's kind of the troubled youth because she's been in and out of foster homes and trouble with the law because she has this power, and her mom's kind of crazy, or they think she's crazy because right. her dad was an alien. But that's where she right. claims she got her power. Much from. like the Johnny B trope, she's like yeah. another 80s trope where she's like the delinquent... Yes, bad girl or whatever that is really got you know sweetheart girl mm-hmm. next door, but you know you see it like in uh, Breakfast Club with like the Ali Sheedy oh, character, yeah, yeah. and there's yeah. just a ton of um, '80s characters uh, that, that are like they that. just borrowed from. Right, The Legend of Billy Jean's another one that comes to mind. Oh yeah, like Helen Slater. Yeah, okay, um, but anyway, yeah, the exact same thing. But yeah, young Courtney Cox. A year later, she would go on to do 
Masters of the Universe, another blockbuster. Yeah, that's something else. <laughs> another blockbuster that was. Yeah, yeah, this show got canceled after one season. <laughs> and that's something that um, I forgot that she was in this show, and actually I forgot that she was in Masters of the Universe. And mm-hmm. you know, everyone thinks about Courtney Cox. She's so tied to Friends. Yes. And and you know, she's done some stuff after that. But like Friends is obviously the oh, thing that was that huge. She's totally known for. But she, Courtney, she's got some like legitimate like nerd pop culture um, credentials. I yeah. mean, if she wants to go back to Misfits of Science or Master of the Universe, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. She did some really bad stuff yeah. before she got on Friends. And, well, she uh, was in a soap opera, I think, when I was researching it, too. But I think a yeah. lot of actors, actresses start out in soap operas. Yeah, but when you say Courtney Cox, I don't think of, like, nerd programming. Yeah, don't nerd, think Misfits, Misfits of Science and, 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 uh, and He-Man. He you don't, but she no. does. She's got that background, but then she obviously made it onto like the, you know, the primetime TV. Oh, yeah. TV. You just think about it at this time, she's probably got, oh, I can't get a break, but, you know, <laughs> you know, you think about it seven years later, she's, eight years later, she's getting paid a million dollars an episode yeah. for Friends. Yeah. So, it turned out okay. Yep. So, there's our, yeah, kind of girl from the wrong side of the tracks. And then we have Mickey Jones as Arnold Beef Iceman Beefneater, if I can say his name. Beefneater. Beefneater. There, there we go. go. Arnold Beefneater. Like, <laughs> wow, you can't get a weirder name. He was a weird character, though. Yeah, so he's kind of the Iceman. Okay, so here's another lab accident gone wrong, I right. guess. He wanted to cryogenically freeze himself to live forever, so to speak. And now all of a sudden has these powers to be able to anything he touches, he can instantly turn to ice and, mm. and freeze it immediately. And that's where he got his powers. But his, again, kryptonite is he has to stay in a cool area. So that's where the they got the idea of the whole gang kind of rides around instead of the mystery mystery mobile. It's the ice cream truck. Yeah, the Fun so, Day Sunday Fun truck. Day Sunday truck. <laughs> fun Day Sunday truck. I'll have to put a picture up on on the in the show notes, but yeah. So that's where he stays, but the rest of them riding in a truck. And he was only in the pilot episode because they called him Iceman, which is a, obviously a copyright infringement against the X-Men that Marvel has. Right. And so he was only in one episode. But I need some more characters for my death match, so I'm going to keep him. <laughs> so even though he's only in one episode. Yeah. Well, and I, I recall from the episode, too, like, I don't... Something went horribly wrong in his cryogenic freezing. I mean, in addition to picking up the powers, he had, like, the intellect of a caveman, yes. I think. He just kind yes. of like, stumbled around. Yeah, he was not very intelligent. He, he was in love with Amelia Earhart. So when she went missing in 1937, that's when he cryogenically froze himself. I don't know why or how they came up with that. Apparently he wasn't, like, uh, terribly bright, maybe. Yeah, so maybe before he went in, before he got froze, he was he had some already issues. in trouble. So, <laughs> yeah, so he that's what he his power is. And then lastly, we have Dr. Billy Hayes. He is the guy that is in charge of the Humadine Institute, and he's the one that got all of these misfits together and put them on a team. Which I think, from what I understand, it was funded by the the army to gather, you know, super powered people. So he's kind of doesn't want them to be used by the army, but but wants them to, still wants to keep them together and keep the team team together. So he's the leader of the group. He's kind of the brains of the bunch. He, he's the night wing of your. Group. He's the night wing he has of the no group. Superpowers, no, but he's in charge. But he's in charge, and he's smart. He's actually played by Dean Paul Martin, which is Dean Martin's son. Right. I didn't know that when I was researching. I kind of forgot about that. He died, unfortunately, in a in an air accident. He was part of the Air National Guard and had a plane accident, I oh, guess. Really? Which kind of set Dean Martin, his dad, over the edge into 
about of depression, I guess. Sure. So he died. His dad died a few years later sure, after, after he died, which is kind of interesting. So this whole team in real life was right. very tragic. Yeah, kinda, Courtney Cox is the only one that came out unscathed. Came out unscathed from like, the whole thing. Wow, that's but, the tragic history of the... Misfits of the Misfits of, of Science. Wow. Yeah, I was kind of like, whoa. That's One thing I did uh, find, though, that episode nine of the Misfits of Science was written by Tim Kring, who later produced the Heroes TV show back in 2006. So this was the where he got the idea, idea. for Heroes. Rescue the cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> Save the cheerleader or whatever it was. Yeah, I think, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was yeah. like the mantra of season one, I remember. Yeah, yeah. So this would have been 20 years later. All of a sudden, he comes up with this idea, and it actually took off because it had several uh, yeah. seasons of Heroes. And comic spinoffs. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, another... Uh, interesting thing i found out in the research of this is the music at least in the pilot episode i'm not sure if all episodes but uh, the music was done by uh, basil polidaris oh yeah same guy conan From the conan. soundtrack yes. one of my favorite movie soundtracks of all time i remember that and i forgot to put it into my notes yes good reminder yeah, he's in a lot of uh, tv and movie soundtracks but uh, yeah for me conan was his uh the the, the, the pinnacle crowning pinnacle of his work and misfits of science probably not probably so wasn't his <laughs> pinnacle of his yeah. achievements oh interesting yeah so yeah there's my team and oh side note on the the doctor I guess is kind of the comic gag in in with him is he's distracted by women so if a pretty girl walks in the room all of a sudden he gets sidetracked right I do remember that in the, in the, in the <coughs> couple episodes I recall from my youth like they, yeah whenever a pretty girl walks by he always does a little side glance, stops what he's doing, and he says <clears> something <throat> that, like, t- in today's day and age, would be like untasteful. Yeah, like, he'd call, be fired. Catball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's again, that's his kryptonite. Yeah, so to speak. So, so all right, as we go into do battle here, I mean, I think, I think we got a little, we're lopsided here. <laughs> this might yes. be, and I just want to, I'll demonstrate that with their with their headquarters, I guess. So we brought up that the the Misfits of Science had a fun day Sunday like used <laughs> yes. ice cream truck that they yes. rolled around in, and that was kind of their rolling headquarters, pretty much, because in the first episode, I think they got kicked out of the Humadine Institute. Right, because they, they were in a lab. Sh- they got shut down because they yeah. weren't like producing anything. Yeah, they had the big battle against the army because the army is making this big laser thing and right. and whatnot. But yeah, just to show the lopsidedness of this, we have Funday Sunday ice cream truck versus the Teen Titans had like a tower. Yes, like legitimately Teen Titan Tower. Is that what they yeah, call it? it? Like Titan Tower. Titan Tower. There we go. Yeah, I think it was originally on one an island in New York, like one of the small islands. I think so. Like in the Hudson River, or yeah, like by yeah. the Statue of Liberty or whatever. But like, it was a legitimate skyscraper shaped like a T. And, uh, Where do these kids get their money? I, I don't know. I think I think actually Victor Stone, Cyborg's dad, oh. built it for him. I think he he, he was loaded. Apparently, I think felt I guilty know. and maybe said. Bruce Banner like kicked in something like you know. <laughs> but yeah, so they had uh, this huge tower, and actually that's one of the first things I recall from my childhood is I really didn't pick up on a comic initially, but I had a friend who was in the role playing games a lot. And he had, like, the DC superheroes role-playing game. Oh. And he was showing me these books, and he was like, hey, you know, um, you know, we've tried Dungeons & Dragons. Let's try this role-playing game of heroes. And I'm like, yeah, sure, it sounds fun. And I'm flipping through this book, and there was, like, a schematic. Because they had all, like, the heroes in there, and they had, like, their abilities. Because you could play the characters in the game. But they had a schematic of the Teen Titan Tower, like, room by room, and all these training facilities and headquarters. And it just, like, blew my mind. I'm like, this is the coolest superheroes <laughs> headquarters ever. So then I had to, like, start reading, like, Teen Titans comics. In I know. The 80s. Those are so cool when you see those. They have the 
you see those sometimes in Star Wars where they have the oh, cutout of the Death section. Star yeah. or, or the Super Star Destroyer and whatnot. Yeah. The Teen Titans had a they had, yeah. kicking headquarters. Yeah, they had a kicking head. I think there was like a swimming pool with like sharks with lasers on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was That's a really awesome. cool one. I wish I could find that book again like at a used bookstore or something. That's that awesome. That just captured like, holy cow, this is... It was cool. Uh, now I'm in. Yeah, I have to go check this comic out. <laughs> and then you have the Sunday Fun Day. Yeah, and the Sunday Fun Day uh, truck. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like in this, in this matchup, like just give me Starfire and whoever you want. Like you know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty me, much take. Give me all the misfits. Because what's what's L gonna do? He's gonna shrink down and somebody will just stomp on him. Beast Boy will turn into an elephant and just. Yeah. <laughs> for 14 minutes, Johnny B. I guess on my side, probably the only one that might be able to put up a little bit uh, of a, a fight because he's super quick. Well, the Courtney Cox, um, her yeah. character Gloria or whatever, Gloria. she, she mm-hmm. had some serious telekinetic yeah. ability. She could probably do some, wreak some havoc. Because in the pilot episode, she moves the helicopter that's trying to attack him and she pushes it back. Right. So... I don't know. It, yeah. they, they make, make him a run for a little while, I guess. Yeah, for a few minutes, but <laughs> you've got, yeah, you've got Starfire and you've got um, Raven and- who can literally kind of move through stuff right or just like emotionally <laughs> incapacitated yeah all of a sudden just yeah, take him out of the fight all, all of the all of the misfits are already a little emotionally unstable <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't take much it wouldn't take much to tip him off the edge and just... I don't know if Starfire if she can heat up a room but then Iceman is pretty much out of the picture yeah. if she can heat up the room yeah uh, I guess if you're going against Robin he would be the the weak one of the the weak link, yeah. I yeah, don't we'd know. have to do some crafty writing and and have some sort of circumstances. Like you said, the trope, the power down trope. Power All down of a sudden, trope. Starfire is. I guess you could put her in a dark room if she doesn't have access to yeah, the sun. Yeah, but then you lose Gloria. No telekinetic power. Oh, she can't yeah, see. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> so one one gets rid of the other. Oh. And it's like, oh crap. Oh, maybe get Gloria some, uh, you know, night vision. Seeing the night, gla- yeah, night goggles. There we go. Yeah. Then all of a sudden she's not. But it's then, like you said, twelve inches of cloth, and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let us let us, you, the listener, let us know who do you think would win: Misfits of Science versus the Teen Titans. And the Teen Titans too have had a they. Kind of like the Avengers, they have a revolving door of members. I think. Yeah, it's not always the same. Like TV shows, comics, different characters. Yeah, I had to literally pick like the '80s ones because yeah. there's just a running lineup of different. Well, it teams. sounds like the ones you mentioned have been the same ones. My kids watch Teen Titans. Well, Teen Titans that they did on Cartoon Network about ten years ago. Yeah, and then they did Teen Titans Go. Right. I think those five that I brought up they're the, like the most popular okay. like the 80s um i think it was like the judas crisis uh, story arc it was like the most popular one and like so every teen titans reboot since then has kind of had that flavor but like i said originally it was like aqualad and kid sure. flash and superboy and robin and you're Batman. always gonna have you know the avengers always have their mainstay iron man captain right. america hulk and then you two or three others kind of move in and out right but I, that's why I figured it's yeah, those it was five. Yeah, the golden age was the 80s, I think, for Teen what, Titans. And that's kind of what ones. solidified those five or six, and that's yeah. who, they, who they stayed with. They constantly or, reboot with those members, I think. Okay. Chime in. Let us know, listener, who do you think should win. So our next one is the what we'll call the Metal Mayhem. And this pits Iron Giant versus Optimus Prime. So yep. I went first last time. Or no, you went first I last went time. First. So let's hear about Optimus Prime. <laughs> Optimus Prime. <laughs> so this will be good. <laughs> Optimus Prime was 
a transformer for those of you that don't know it started in japan actually and he was known as convoy in japan which i thought was kind of interesting where the figures came from that's like a way cooler name yeah than optimus prime a lot of their transformers were like that where their name kind of was what their vehicle Mm -hmm. was about like bumblebee or prowl was a cop you know so convoy is a truck i mean that's kind of cool where Optimus Prime. That's really pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So in the in the Optimus or the Transformers universe, Prime was the last born of the original 13 Transformers is where he first got started. And he was most like, I guess from what I read, most like Primus. So Primus is the one that created the Transformers and created Cybertron. And then they had their fight against Unicron which ended up wiping out all of the original Transformers, the original Primes, as they called them, except for him. Okay. So Optimus was the only one left when that He's like the last, battle. Of, the, last of the Olympians, basically. Yeah, yeah, la- yeah last of the Olympians. It sounds like they really drew from like Greek mythology, where like there was like, 12 or 13 Olympians, and they all fell or whatever. And, the last one left, standing. Yeah, right. yeah. And so he, at the end of that big battle, he decided to, because you had the, the Primes were the most more powerful robot, but you still had the quote-unquote regular robots, mm-hmm. and so he decided to become just a regular robot again okay. and live amongst the, the mere mortals. Okay. Want to go the, the, the Greek route? Yeah, the unwashed masses. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so he changed his name to Oren Pax and got basically a kind of a, a Joe job, so to speak, okay. working in a data center, I think, or like a library, I guess is what they would call it. Uh, it was where he worked. It's, I'm just I'm still processing Orin Pax. Yeah, Orin like, Pax. So obviously the same, um, you know, Optimus Prime, Orin Pax, OP. He's keeping the you know the first. Yeah, letters. good point. So I'm wondering, like, did he have like <coughs> some like monogram towels that like <laughs> OP? <laughs> That's I awesome. can't change my name to anything that doesn't start with. It's OP. like I gotta stay OP, <laughs> the real OP here. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Ocean Pacific's taken, so I guess Orin Pax. Or is, maybe yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, if he got in on early on Twitter or other places, his his hashtag would be available or his name that's right i'm just wondering like that's hilarious that's a good point well you know you see that in in marvel peter parker uh, scott summers oh yeah um, the, it's a common trope. Yeah. bruce banner bruce banner know, yeah then well we do like even the names of our matchups like yeah. you know metal mayhem yeah yeah Teen tussle good point um, good point i just like it how he kept the same keep like monogram OP. you OP. wonder if the writers were like eh, let's just keep that right <laughs> That way he, we can, he can use the same towels. He's yeah, to get same rid of towels and the same towels. napkins and whatever. <laughs> so, so yeah, he worked in a, he was a, in a data center library for nine million years. So that you know they don't age, evidently. Wow. And he had a girlfriend named Ariel. One of his friends was named Dion. So we've got Oren Pax and Dion. So Oren and Dion. Okay. Hanging out, I guess, going <laughs> clubbing. I don't know. <laughs> his girlfriend's not Ariel from. Thundar. Yeah, there no. you go. No way. No, Ariel name is used a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Even Hello Mermaid's named Ariel. Yeah, so there, you go. Common, there you go. Common name this time. So this was the golden age of Cybertron. He worked in the, the Hall of Records. Okay, that's what it was called. Where he met his mentor and tutor, Alpha Trion. So Alpha Trion was his buddy mm-hmm. and got some education from him. And that's when Megatron showed up. And he... Megatron was upset at the, I guess at that time in Cybertron they had a caste system, so you people stay here, you people are here, you people are here, right. and he related to Megatron and befriended Megatron and was on his side. He's like, yeah, this isn't fair. We need to change that. Okay. But Megatron wanted to. He, I guess him, Megatron and uh, Optimus Prime 
or Orrin Pax, right. went to the high council to say, we need to change that. He wanted to do it in a nonviolent way, but Megatron wanted to do it in a violent way and just kill the high council off, take over, and get rid of the caste system. Right. And they had a big fight. Megatron and Optimus had a big fight over that. They cut all ties between each other, and that's when Megatron started the cult, I mm-hmm. guess is what it called, of the Decepticons, and then... We know what happened from there right. on. And, then, and so Alpha Trion knew about his past, that he yeah. was actually a prime. And I guess there was a battle, and Orrin Pax got injured by Megatron because they invaded the council or the, the library that he was at, and he mm-hmm. got hurt by Megatron. And so that's where the clash between Megatron and Optimus Prime started. Yep. Alpha Trion reverted him back to his original prime level, so he became more powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's where he, him and Megatron then started the Great War. Oh, so, yeah. I didn't realize there was all this lore yeah, that they came up with. Backstory, but uh, yeah, I'm curious. So Optimus Prime, some godlike entity within this, you know, Cybertron um, lore. Let, let's hear about these godlike powers. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> next is the powers that he has. So he's got. You've seen him with the figure. He comes with his big gun, the Ion Blaster, that he came with. As the and as it, the figure, and it was huge. If I yeah. recall, like it was yeah. one of the biggest guns. It like, was almost just, as tall as he was. I, I know, know if it was I have a, huge. But that's kind of his primary weapon is his gun. I'm trying to remember when he transformed to a truck. Did that gun like become part of the truck? So yeah, let's let's jump to that. I always wondered. You see him in the cartoon transform, and his trailer just goes off camera, and yeah. where'd it go? Yeah. So I didn't know where it went, but in the figure. It transforms into kind of a battle center. I do remember that now. Yeah, it was so like this battle folds, platform. Kind of folds out, and then he has Roller, I think it is, the little robot that's in there. Oh, that's right. But the, it, roll, or it unfolds, and then there's this gun, and it's kind of a battle center. So I guess I'm guessing other Transformers can go there and yeah, coordinate I, a battle. I totally <laughs> forgot that his trailer was like a mini playset. Mm-hmm. So he was mm-hmm. like one of the Transformers that was like a figure and a yeah. playset built in one. I totally forgot about that. I'll put that. a picture in the show notes, but yeah, it kind of unfolds and has a gun and you can see little computers on the side and so it becomes kind of a, a station. Yeah, it's like a, it. a way better than an ice cream truck. Yeah, <laughs> way better than the Sunday fun day. But I did find out from what I was reading, though, the trailer, since Optimus is connected to it, if you injure, if you blow up the trailer, it injures him. Oh, really? Because they're connected, I guess. That so. is an interesting weakness. But it does have a giant two two laser gun uh, gun in it, so I guess it can defend itself. And then you've got Roller. Yeah, and you've got Roller. <laughs> and you got Roller. <laughs> so then he also has, I guess, some other weapons that they show in the cartoon and some of the other figure iterations that they did. A barrage cannon, which fires slugs mm-hmm. of uh, plutonium tips on it, so they can do some pretty good damage. Nice. Or give, inter- you, give you cancer. Or give you cancer, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or power the flux capacitor. That's right. And so... Inner John Blade. So he has a. Also, he came. The figure came with a giant sword. I don't know if you remember. He came yeah. with a giant sword. Yep. So he has a sword. An Inner John Blade is what they call it, I guess. Yep. Prime Hood, which since he's a prime, I guess, kind of gives him some supernatural abilities to have also be an empath, so he can basically re- kind of read your mind or be able to predict what's going to happen in the near future, which allows him to dodge some attacks. Okay. It's got Spidey Sense. Spidey Sense. There we go. Yeah. He's got that. <laughs> he has strength, will-based strength, I guess. So he has determination. So we've seen that in the like in the Transformers movie. He's been shot three, four, five times, and he still 
kicks out, so yep. to speak, against still, Megatron. Still trucking, yeah. Yeah, so he's got that. And then he has, <laughs> which I found this, I didn't know, I kind of forgot this. He has a laser axe hand. Oh, really? So in one of the episodes, second episode of the original Transformer series, he has this hand turns into an axe. Not and just then, any axe. <laughs> and then Megatron turns his arm into a mace that has a spiked ball on it. Yeah, but and it's they, like a glowing yeah. like laser-looking thing. Yeah, so he, him and Megatron in the second episode, but they never show it again. So really? it shows up once. Yeah. But he's able to transform. So he had the sword, but he also could turn his hand into an energy axe. Wow. And then he also has energy blast from his eyes. And this was in only one episode again, just like the energy axe. He could shoot energy from his eyes. This was like typical again of like 80s programming where just like some random writer like has no idea what the lore of this character is. So they write in some ability sure. that's never seen again. That's that's <laughs> the thing I think back in the 80s, especially with, with this and, and He-Man, they had no plan of attack. Right, it was like a revolving door of writers yes. coming in and doing these. And they would just basically get like a short, here's some script notes or whatever, write an episode. Yeah. And, yeah, we need we need a new new episode, a new series. We need thirteen episodes by end of the month. Right. Go laser axe, <laughs> laser axe, and <laughs> laser mean. eyes, and you yeah. know we don't care. You know, so that's we have to take that into account. But hey, you know they they did show it. Scale wise, he's about nineteen foot tall in the in the cartoon. But I know for Michael Bay, he's blown him up way bigger, way bigger. than that but i'll yeah. stick with the 19 footer i guess because okay. that's kind of the original yeah i'm, I'm kind of going by gen one yeah and he also has obviously compassion for sentient being sentient beings freedom for all that whole whole uh trope there yeah and then he's, uh, he's I, a stereotypical like paragon of good basically. yeah yeah he's the epitome of good everybody even if i think and even i was reading a few episodes he had the chance to kill megatron but he didn't do it yeah this, that's one of the things where um, it's an int- I, it's an uninteresting character for me when the, a character has like no other personality other than just being the embodiment of good. Of good. Yeah, those characters tend to bore me. Sure, in, sure. You know, as far as like entertainment goes, like I like I like my heroes that have like a flaw or like an issue or something like that, yeah. which you know tends well, we, to make them more uh, recognizable or identifiable. Identifiable is probably yeah, yeah. a better word. I do think maybe they steered away from that in the the movie because he when him and Megatron go at it, they flat out says, you know, one of us is going to fall. Yeah. So I think he maybe, and then Michael Bay, of course, has taken that to a whole new level. But right. But I think maybe for the movie, in my opinion, maybe they did kind of say, well, we we're going to maybe let that one slide. But you're right. I mean, they, obviously in the cartoon. It's an 80s cartoon, just like He-Man. It's pretty. Right. They're not going to kill anybody off. Right. (laughs) Then I I thought of this. They portray him as being able to fly, but that was only in the pilot episode where they had the Autobots fly. I didn't realize that they had, but even in the intro, you know, they have them flying together. But that, I guess after episode one, they didn't, the only few they had that Autobots were allowed to fly, they had to have jetpacks. And I remember Optimus did have a jetpack on, on a few episodes that allowed right. him to fly. Well, it really steals the thunder from all the Transformers that are, like, flight-based. You know, yes. the ones that are really jets or helicopters. Mm-hmm. And, like, everyone can fly. It's like, well, I have nothing special about me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I'm the, you know, if I'm the guy that's a helicopter or a jet or whatever. So I stick, we'll stick with Optimus can't fly. Okay. Because he only did it in one episode, and after that he had to have a jetpack to okay. be able to fly, so... I, th- I think you've probably forgotten Optimus Prime's most powerful power that I can think of. 
He can he can haul like fourteen crates of rubber dog poop from San Antonio to <laughs> Springfield, Missouri in eight hours. Go. Just load him up, load him up, and go. That's right. Hit the American road. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. You call, he's a convoy. That's right. You call, we haul. Oh gosh, Optimus Prime trucking. <laughs> there you go. Well, you take his old name, convoy. There you so go. He can get back into the convoy. Yeah, don't underestimate that power. He can haul onions or you know, I don't right. know whatever to, to get your Amazon orders to you on time. And he has a cannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then one other thing is he was they they were going to do a crossover with DC mm-hmm. and kind of do an amalgamation of the Justice League and the Transformers yeah. together and he was going to be a Green Lantern. Oh, which I thought okay. was kind of cool. So what they were going to do is have Phil Jimenez was the one that wanted to do it and yeah. IDW wanted to do it. But I don't know where it fell apart, if it was DC or IDW, but let's see, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman's Invisible Jet was going to be an Autobot. Okay. The Atlantis was going to combat the aquatic, the sea cons. I don't remember them exactly, okay. but Flash. Obviously, evil sea robots, obviously. Yeah, it must be sea robots. <laughs> Flash was going to protect the central city from the Insecticons. Oh, yeah. And then Optimus Prime was going to be a Green Lantern. Okay. Part of the Green Lantern Corps. So I thought, though, that's an interesting, could, yeah, interesting concept. Way. Yeah. Maybe they should pick that up again. And Yeah, I can see his it. character type very easily fitting into the role. Being of will-based. Green, yeah, yeah, being a yeah. Green Lantern. There we have Optimus Prime. And, of course, you can't forget Peter Cullen did the voice. I mean, that's yeah iconic. He also did the voice for Voltron. I kind of forgot about yeah. that. He did yeah, that narration. Like, Let's roll. Yeah. yeah that, that voice. Peter's made a ton of money from oh, my saying... Let's transform and roll out. Roll out. That's what it is. Let's roll out. Yeah, transform and roll out. All right, so I selected the Iron Giant, and okay. I know when I initially picked the Iron Giant to go against Optimus Prime, you had your concerns that, you know, I picked, like, this doddering, like, <laughs> 1920s, like, kind of, you know, he looks all skinny arms and legs and bumbling giant robot. So you hadn't seen the movie. So, no. So I let you borrow the movie, and you and your kids watched it and, and enjoyed it. It's a sentimental. It like, is. I don't want to, you know, too, well, I'm spoil gonna, it. we can spoil it. I'm going to spoil it because I got to talk about his powers. Five <laughs> years older now, or whatever. Is uh, it 90... yeah, 99. Oh, it was 99? Yeah. So, oh, for some reason, I thought it was 93, but no, okay. 99. So it's, okay. t- it's 20 years 20 old. 20 years old. 20 year uh, anniversary coming out this okay. year. But anyway, you were in a little bit of it's a surprise, but we'll get yes. into his yeah. character that he is not what he <laughs> appears to be. So, as we said, um, this is a, uh, a 1999 uh, Warner Brothers movie. It was directed by Brad Bird, who went on to do The Incredibles and some of the Mission Mission Impossible movies. So he's had some other very successful uh, movies as well. Uh, And it was actually his uh, directorial debut uh, as the Iron Giant for Brad Bird. So that's kind of what got his career rolling. It's set in the Cold War in the 50s. And and you and I were talking before the episode. They did a really great job of kind of capturing that... Mm -hmm. That McCarthyism, that nuclear age fear of like the world's on the yeah. edge. They have the little commercial of if you're in school, you're supposed to hide under your desk if there's a nuclear attack. And yep. I remember my mom telling me about that. I said, oh, yeah, we did that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they did a really great job of capturing that hysteria of like the 50s yeah. uh, and the Red Scare and the nuclear in the dawning of the nuclear age. But anyway, the Iron Giant's this uh, mysterious robot that falls from space. He basically like injures his head and gets like yeah. some sort of like form of amnesia. That he doesn't remember really, really remember who he is. And he's befriended by this young boy, Hogarth Hughes. Yes. Um, HH. HH. Yeah, here we go again <laughs> yep. with the names that have the same starting <laughs> letters. Uh, and the boy, um, they, they become friends. The, they're also helped out by like this beatnik. Obviously, it's in the 50s. you got to have like a beatnik. Yes. Uh, Dean uh, McCoppin, who's voiced by um, Harry Connick Jr., is the iconic voice of uh, Dean. 
And uh, basically, the there's this fanatical government agent, a, Kent Mansley. Yes, Kent Mansley. Kent Mansley. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mansley. that's an awesome name. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's trying to find the Iron Giant. He thinks it's like a threat because you know, they're they're hyping up again. Yeah, like this Russian rescue. threat. He's yeah. a Russian threat. He's going to destroy the world. We got to find him and destroy him. You know, and so the military's backing him, and the boy and this beatnik are trying to you know protect this innocent robot who really doesn't remember um, who he is. Mm-hmm. And that's actually kind of the theme of the movie is like, you can be whoever you want to be. You don't have to be who other people think you are. Sure. Well, and the Iron Giant and Hogarth are similar. He's the Iron Giant's a misfit. Yep. Hogarth is kind of a misfit in his world. He's raised by a single mom and he's kind of goofy and quirky. And Yeah, he's like nerdy kid with no friends, can't really identify with anyone his age and yep. uh, only hangs out with this beatnik that kind yeah. of tolerates him. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they're like these two misfits that get put together, and they kind of find like this this theme of like you can be who you want to be. You don't have to be who the world wants you to be, basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's like the running theme of the movie is um, the Iron Giant's like maybe this weapon from space, but the boy keeps telling me you're not. You don't have to be a weapon. You don't have to be a gun. You can be whoever you want to be. Um, you don't have to be this this trope of this this weapon. Yes. Anyway, the the, the robot's voiced uh, by Vin Diesel, another yeah. great iconic voice. Yes. Um, who he does Groot. Oh yeah. And he's the yeah, voice you're of right. Groot. Yeah. And yeah. So he's done some other voice work that's uh, uh, really great. You didn't know this. But no. It, it, at the end, when the military finally catches up with him and starts um, trying to take him down, he basically goes into like his defense mode, and yes. he remembers his powers for like the first time. He gets the glowing eyes. He gets the glowing eyes, <laughs> yep. and he, he goes a little bit bonkers. So yes. he really turns into this death machine, and this is where like Optimus Prime maybe get a little bit yeah. of a trouble. <laughs> so in, in, this, uh, in the movie... Uh, the military rolls up in this like battalion of tanks, and they start shooting tank rounds at him, and it like does they bounce off him like insects. Like yeah. he doesn't even really notice. Like, no tank rounds. I'm trying to imagine a tank round hitting Optimus Prime. He, he's gonna notice. He's gonna that. feel it. Yeah. So anyway, after these tanks start hitting him, and they're just bouncing off him, he goes into like his his battle mode or whatever. And uh, one hand turns into a huge laser cannon. He mm-hmm. just roasts a tank. The other hand turns into this like quantum compression cannon is what I'm gonna yeah. call it, where it shoots like this energy ball and whatever's inside of it basically just like it's like quantum compressed into like shrinks it or sh- disintegrates it or something. Something it like vanishes. Yeah. So you, one hit from that and you're yeah, done. That's you're done. <laughs> and then he has like those this three snake yeah, snake, snake cannons come out of his head. So he's got like these three like. Uh, yeah, like serpentine cannons that are running around just like shooting lasers everywhere. So that's when he's like, he's just chewing up the military with all these cannons. And actually there's another wrist cannon that comes out that like shoots, it's like a barrage mode. It shoots like eight different cannons at once and it sh- you know, like basically blows up like all these tanks yeah, simultaneously. Yeah. And that's when the military decides to hit him with the main cannon off like a battleship that's parked like off the seacoast. That like gets his attention for the yeah. first time. Doesn't really damage him, but it like makes him like flinch. Move. He's like, "Oh, I felt that. I felt that on, on like these tank rounds." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he turns around and like his chest opens up into what I would like to call his Death Star cannon. It looks like the Death Star. Another like, Death Blossom. Yeah, <laughs> almost. So, you know, it's like these three yes. tiny lasers that like come together to, to one. make one big laser, like the Death Star. And he misses the battleship because, like, Hogarth distracts him or yeah. whatever. But it makes, like, this mushroom cloud on the horizon. Like, it was going to wipe out, like, an entire flotilla oh, of yeah. Navy ships. Not just one, one ship, but, like... All of them. Like, all, like, this flotilla of ships. 
after seeing that, yeah, and you're like, oh crap, Optimus <laughs> 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 Prime is gonna get rolled. Well, then too, also when his eyes go red and he kind of hulks out, the dent on his head goes away. So, well, that's right. He has like the ability to heal, heal himself. himself. Yeah. yeah. Well, and here here comes the spoiler. At the end, the military because he's just rampaging. Right? Yeah. The military calls in a nuclear strike on yep. him. And so this nuclear missile is coming into the town, and, and in order to save the town, he flies up. So he can fly. Yep, so he can fly. Yep. So he flies, another thing that Optimus, you know, only can do for yeah. in one episode. Jetpack. He flies up to intercept the missile and, you know, uh, dies tragically. So we think. Yes. There's, like, this teaser at the end where, like, his parts are basically, like, trying to find each other. All these, like, yes. scrap parts that were blown all over the place. To reconstruct himself, like his healing power is so much that he can literally survive a nuclear blast and he come can. back from that. I think they hint at that earlier in the movie when he loses his hand or arm. Oh yeah, and his it, arms trying yeah. to find him. Yeah, he can find out. Oh, he can. If he's blown apart, he still comes back together. He's like a self-seeking mode yeah, and repairs yeah. himself. So, yeah, so be able to to blow up an entire like navy flotilla with his Death Star cannon and be able to survive a nuclear blast. I'm not sure what Optimus yeah, Prime is going to be a little do tough. against the Iron Giant. And he's powered. Iron Giant's powered by metal because he's eating metal constantly. He's metal, yeah. Is how he gets his energy, I guess, is yeah. what they that's, hint at. That's what we'd have to, you know, if you're going to write this battle, you'd have to power the Iron Giant down. Like, yeah. oh, there was, a, there was a metal shortage or whatever, so he's hungry. Throw him in space or, yeah. or something where he's not near anything and see if he can power down. I don't think in the movie they ever really, they just say he falls from space. They never really say. it's Yeah, his origins, I don't think, expanded on at all, I yeah. don't think. Other than... Um, Everyone thinks he's a weapon except for this well, kid yeah, who tells him, kid. you don't have to be a gun. That's yes. the line I remember where he's like, when he's like going in his beast mode and just like yeah. destroying everything, um, Hogarth's like, you don't have to be a gun. You don't have to be a weapon. Yeah, yeah, that's a good theme. And just a good animation. Yeah. So the animation's excellent. It, it really captures that 50s look. And oh, yeah. It's just excellent. And it's, it's funny and sentimental. And if you haven't seen it yet, I'd definitely recommend it. But yeah, it's, it, I read. I'm gonna I'm gonna come clean on the air here a little bit. I remember watching this with my kids, not knowing that the ending. I thought it was just another kids movie. We were watching it when they were a, a bit younger when uh, it came out, and um, you have to like fight off tears at the end of yeah, this thing. I'm like, please, I know. please don't cry in front of my kids. Please, don't yeah, cry. I know, you I know, because it is hard. Him and Hogarth are buds, and yeah. and. And yeah. This, yeah, the scene where he flies up to intercept the missile and yeah. like the kid's voice in his head, you don't have to be a weapon. You can be whoever you want to be. And he's like, I want to be Superman. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh. You see Superman, yes. Oh, my goodness. It's just heart-wrenching. It is. It is. And I like the fact that they reference Superman. It's owned by WB or Warner yeah. Brothers, so, but that was a good little throwback. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty sentimental if you haven't seen it. It's it's. My girls, they handled it okay. I, I kind of knew it was coming, but so yeah. you know, but the girls are like, "Oh, yeah, this is good. We like it. it it's yeah. funny. They've got a lot of funny parts in it." Like I was telling you before, the when he's with uh, Manly, when he's eating eating a Sunday with Manly, he oh, puts yeah. chocolate laxative on top oh, of his Sunday to try to ditch him. Yep, because he moves in with him and he's trying to help the robot and he can't with his government agent Aging living around. with him and he can't ditch him and oh, the old laxative trick yes i was like oh my gosh it's hilarious <laughs> yeah there was a scene like i think when they're he and uh, iron giant and hogarth are becoming friends where like they're in the junkyard and hogarth's in uh, the car hulk or whatever and he's like spinning it around like an amusement ride mm -hmm. yes and it's just it's so much fun and they're oh, just yeah. having a hoot but, yeah it's a yeah. good movie and they go swimming and yeah you know, oh yeah that's right yeah so, there's a lot of really touching scenes but yeah that's good anyways I guess for the listener. <clears throat> what do you think, listener, after seeing the powers? I mean, all, I will admit, though, Optimus Prime, they've had him come back from, from death multiple times. So True. He's a fighter. <laughs> He's a fighter. But, 
but he would just keep getting killed. He keeps getting killed, and he keeps coming back every time. But so does the Iron Giant yeah. as well. So I, I don't know who would win that battle. See, I, yeah, I don't know. We we should have maybe gone with like Voltron or Ultraman or yeah, something yeah. a little more on par with Iron Giant. It's yeah, fun. It's fun still. You you got hey, uh, Optimus has Roller. Yeah, he's got backup. <laughs> Come on, the little roller robot with yeah. the little light on. I don't know what he actually does. He just does reconnaissance, I guess. Yeah, had to have the ridiculous sidekick. You got to have the ridiculous. Well, you know, it's hey, amazing. there's worse. Gleek. There's yeah, he, he, got, off, he got off all right. So, luckily, uh, Iron Giant, not a product of an '80s cartoon, so no, no ridiculous sidekick for Iron. Yeah, Giant. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so let us know who do you think Optimus Prime or or Orin Pax versus Iron Giant? Who would win? Last but not least, we have who put this guy in charge battle <laughs> because we found we thought this would be funny because you've always got these these leaders that we see, especially in the in the 80s and, and 90s even like how did this guy become the leader? But so this will be kind of more comedic. We have Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe. And then we have Vassini from The Princess Bride. Right. And you have to say inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah, we'll this, talk about that later. But. This is going to be fun because, yeah, this is a common trope of the bad, the villain bad guy that he has to be like horribly incompetent, but somehow he's in charge. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you always wonder like, who put this idiot in this position of power? So yeah, we're going to talk about this. Like, yeah. why did this guy get in charge? And and, and then duke it out. Like, uh, if these two guys were in charge, like, who would fail the worst? <laughs> <laughs> would have everything in place but it falls apart yep but we'll get to back get to that we'll introduce you to the the characters in case you don't know as a listener who we're talking about so let's see um Versus yeah Sam? you go first yeah okay so cobra commander fictional character brought about by gi joe originally a toy line i'm going to be mostly talking about what i remember is like an 80s as a kid because the gi joe's still gone on until this yeah. day there's been reboots and relaunches and comic books and movies and whatnot but so Cobra Command is the head of Cobra, which is an international terrorist organization bent on world domination. Domination, yeah. Take over the world. Yeah, to take over the world. And they're the principal bad guys that fight the Joes. Cobra Commander was originally created by Larry Hama, was the guy who wrote the G.I. Joe comics uh, for Marvel. According to Larry Hama, he was basically, he wanted to create a character that, um, quote, uh, fell in love with the sound of his own voice. <laughs> yes. And he drew inspiration from the famous conservative uh, pundit William F. Buckley. Okay. That's who he based it on. Um, <laughs> so he's in love with himself. He's in love with himself. He's a classic narcissist who, okay. um, yeah, in the cartoon anyway, well, even in the comic to some degree. Uh, in, in the cartoon, he was uh, voiced by uh, Chris Lotta. And it's another oh, yeah. iconic... Oh, yeah, that, like Peter Cullen. Yeah, that shrill, crisp, like, just biting... And he screamed everything, by the way. Like, Cobra yes. Commander never, like, spoke, like, indoor voice. No. Did not happen for him. And how did he keep his voice doing those... I don't know. But it was just a constant barrage of, like, You bumbling idiots! <laughs> yes. Cobra! Cobra! Oh. oh, and he does Starscream's voice, too. So. Oh, does he really? Same yeah. Guy? Yeah, the same guy does Starscream's voice in Transformers. So, again, as, if that's his natural voice... Kudos, but if he has to, you know, strain his vocal cords, like oh. how did you get through a recording session? Yeah, I mean, he has like the voice of an angel that has been like in a cement mixer for twenty four hours, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with broken glass in yes. there. And he just comes out, and it's just awesome. I ha- I love the reference Jeff over at the Make Eternia Great Again podcast. He said that uh, I forgot whose character it was has the voice of. Somebody who drank glass and then chased it with <laughs> gasoline or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. That's that's Cobra Commander. That shrill, and he just yells at you constantly. 
Um, He's always angry. Yeah, always angry. Uh, anyway, so there's various, I guess, iterations of Cobra Commander. There's a comics one, there's a cartoon one, there's ones from the movie, but so I'm going to cover each briefly, and I'm going to mostly fo focus on the cartoon one, because that's like the really bumbling one. But yes. The one in the comic book, he's a used car salesman that has like a brother who gets like killed in Vietnam, <laughs> and he like kind of blames the system and becomes disillusioned with America, and somehow, you know, so he becomes like a con man, a grifter, like a criminal, and somehow, <laughs> like, rises to the head of like an international terrorist organization. So he was a really good used car salesman. Really he could sell ketchup popsicles to a woman in white gloves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So he obviously had like the gift of like influencing people in the in the comic book. He's a little more brutal in the comic book than he's in the cartoon. He's not quite as bumbling, but he is constantly like betrayed and like coups are constantly thrown yeah. against him in the comic because he's not quite the leader that it, Cobra wants. So like Dr. Mindbender and Destro and the Baroness and Major Blood, like every other major player, at one, even like Zartan, I think at one point they try to like overtake him. Like, Take him out. They, you know, create Serpentor to like you know, make him second fiddle. Um, so anyway... At one point, I love this. I got to bring this up. So he fakes his death or whatever because he gets betrayed so many times. Okay. Like, falls out of the limelight. But when he comes back to Cobra, he's like, he's mad because he's tired of being like overthrown and like being mistreated by all his subordinates. So so this was in the cartoon. This is in the, this is in the comic book. Okay, okay. In the comic book, which is a little more brutal okay. than the, car the kid's cartoon. But he's pretty ruthless. He takes all the villains who like overthrew him: Raptor, Firefly, Mindbender, Zartan, his son, his son Billy. Oh, I didn't know he had a son. He has a son, okay. and he buries him alive in a in a like an erupting volcano. Wow! In the comic book, and sweet then, revenge. Sweet revenge. And then he gets a mind controlling, brainwashing device and brainwashes Destro, Baroness, Storm Shadow into like being like. Uh, obedient followers of him well, robotic followers yeah so I'm like wow he is yeah whoa a little more brutal in he's the comic definitely book. more brutal than the cartoon yeah so in the cartoon to get to that he is not a used car salesman his origin story was brought about in the G.I. Joe the movie which was based on the cartoon and he's revealed to be a former scientist and nobleman from some ancient pre-human society called Cobra La yes and he was a blue skinned guy with no hair but again, another scientific accident. Lab accident. Happens. Lab accident happens, and some mutative spore causes him to get like an array of like eight or ten yeah. eyes. Like his whole face is it just is eyes. weird. Yeah, so it's like eight eight eyes across his face, and that's why he wears the, the mask. mask or the that chrome dome face yeah. plate or whatever it is. Because um, they never show his face in the cartoon. Not till the movie when he gets yeah. finally gets on the yeah. and you see that like that weird. I remember they hint at face. it where he's. I think in one episode his mask is on the on the table and he puts it on. But they never right. show his face until the cart the movie. Right. Yeah. Anyway, in the cartoon, so different origin story, and a little more like legit, I guess, as far as like he was a scientist, you know, not just like a used car salesman yeah. that you know wrangled his way to the top. <laughs> he has um, this knack for like trying to dominate the world in like the most like ridiculous ways in his plans. And I actually did a little research and I found like probably the top ten ways that Cobra Commander is just the worst. <laughs> leader of this terrorist organization. I'm trying to think of like another global terrorist organization like ISIS or something yeah. like if if they tried to do these plots. Like, <gasps> like try to put these in context. Yeah, that would be awesome. So all right, so here's he tried to clone dinosaurs cuz that's obviously how you're going to take over yeah, why not? with dinosaurs, yeah, yeah. right? One time he they had a shrink ray machine so he miniaturized his troops <laughs> st 
stowed them in Christmas presents and put them in the G.I. Joe Toys for Tots program so they could infiltrate G.I. Joe's Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. They developed a giant super laser, but instead of trying to do something practical with it, he decides to carve his face into the moon with a giant laser. Because that's clearly how you're going to take over the world. Why not? Yeah. Oh my gosh. They abduct some like these super scientists that can create a super weapon. But the holding facility to keep them like away from like the, so the Joes can't rescue them, they make an amusement park. It's a fun house <laughs> with like a Cobra roller coaster. And so the Joes have to fight through a theme park oh, to rescue man. this. I mean, what a brilliant why not? Like I could see ISIS totally doing that. Yeah, We're going to take not? some kidnap some uh, scientists and we're going to put them in a fun, fun park, park and try and, to and see if the U.S. Marines can get them out. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right. So they have this plan to put missiles all over the globe. Okay. And so they can like simultaneously launch missiles over the, all over the world. I'm like, all right, this may be the first like legitimate plan they may have. But in order to hide the missiles, they decide to franchise a fast food chain, which has a <laughs> missile built into their sign. So, it's, you know, it looks like a rocket. It's like rocket hamburgers. Rocket or burgers something. or something. Yeah, and the missile and the sign's really... It's uh, really a real a rocket. Real rocket. <laughs> but, of course, they, like, franchise one of these to, like, Roadblock's parents. So, like, the Joes know about it. Like, wow, there's a rocket. <laughs> real rocket in the sign. Oh, oh my it gosh. This is terrible. awesome. <laughs> uh, all right, another plan. They decide to destroy all the currency in the world and replace it with Cobra money. So everyone has to spill up, spend Cobra, cobra bucks. money. Cobra so they control bucks. the economy through Cobra bucks. Right. And the only way you could get Cobra bucks is like you have to sell like your material goods, like your jewelry, your cars, oh, or whatever. Okay. So that's, you they were going to acquire all these like material goods and give them Cobra bucks. So that was the first Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's a super plan. I'm sure it's going to work out swimmingly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. They invented a machine that would transfer women's beauty. So you could take like a beautiful woman and make her ugly and then take her beauty and give it to another woman. And apparently that was going to upset the balance of the wow. world and allow you to like take over when you have all these... Make the supermodel ugly and the ugly woman, woman beautiful. beautiful. And apparently that was going to help you take over the world. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> One time they had to uh, raise money to build weapons. So they held a Cobra telethon. <laughs> and uh, the premise of the telethon oh was villains would um, call in and if they raised the money like they would go to like Interpol and like all these other like um, organizations global like criminal um, police organizations okay. and they were going to destroy the records so like if you wanted your records eliminated villain call into the Cobra Telethon and we'll get you and we'll we'll send Storm Shadow in to, to burn the files records. right so they <sighs> held a like I'm trying to picture like the network that'd be like yes we're gonna air that on that's Fox. yeah yeah let's let's put this on let's let's pitch this to NBC and just right. see what, what next they'll on do. Fox next on Cobra Fox Telethon. Cobra Telethon <laughs> like we'll let like you said it's like let's let ISIS put on a telethon yeah exactly who's gonna do that who's gonna do that. Well, then, of course, you've got, like, Cobra, Commander, and Destro, and Major Blood all, like, doing, like, juggling acts and singing acts because oh they've got to have entertainment, right? Oh, it's oh. It's, it's such a beautiful plan. How could this not I know. Play? It's so just off the wall. <laughs> all right. So here's another one. Uh, they wanted to kidnap this scientist and force him again to build a weapon, similar to the one... Uh, yeah, where they put him in the amusement park, yeah. The fun house obviously didn't work out. You know, Joe's got him. So okay. they, they take it up a notch on this one. This scientist apparently likes this nightclub, so they... They basically take this nightclub that he normally goes to it, but they turn it into a spaceship. So when he goes into it, the nightclub transforms into a spaceship, spaceship and launches into space, and then they have him. He can't escape can't now, escape and Joe can't get him because he's in space. So and they're going to force him to build something. And then now they force him to build. Like, what an, an elaborate plan. Just, <sighs> you got to 
turn a nightclub yeah, into a, space a spaceship. <laughs> oh my gosh. These right. are awesome. Yeah, these are awesome. And here are the final two I have, and they're kind of related in the fact that they would totally destroy the Earth and all life on it. Okay. This is not how you take over the world. This is how you, you destroy, destroy the Earth. Yeah. One, they had a plan to destroy the ozone layer okay. and, and then sell money or get money by selling Cobra sunscreen. I kid you not. <laughs> awesome. We need to do a fake bottle of Cobra sunscreen. <laughs> there is a picture of it. I found oh, there a picture is. of the Cobra sunscreen. They, they're trying to sell it. Sweet. It's like Cobra block or something. I don't know. I'll have to find it again. SPF 80. Again, obviously, if you destroy the ozone so layer. So destroy the ozone layer. And, and, and the other one was destroy all vegetation on Earth. Okay. You know, because not only would like everyone starve, but you'd have no air to air breathe. Air to breathe. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So now, those are Cobra Commander's greatest plans of how to take over the world. What I want to know is I would love to be in the pitch room for some of these. Okay, oh. guys. <laughs> let's come up with this plan. How about we turn a nightclub into a rocket and shoot them in space? Yes, yes. Johnny. That's what we're going to go with. Perfect. Let's destroy the ozone layer and Cobra's going to sell SPF 1 million Cobra block. <laughs> let's do a, a telethon. Yeah. Oh, let's do a telethon where Destro's going to do a stand up comedy juggling act yeah and cobra's gonna juggle is gonna play the ukulele i don't know what they did i have to watch the episode again gosh these are so awesome i didn't know this yeah (laughs) so anyway um that's cobra commander in a nutshell i don't know how you mismanage an organization (laughs) that bad (laughs) okay cobra they get together oh man oh these are hilarious and and one more thing for the listener if if you do want to get like a feel of cobra commander's voice and like his constant screaming and shrill. Right before we filmed this episode, I was on YouTube and there's like a four minute bit where somebody has put together, like they just spliced together, like every time out of every episode that G.I. Joe has failed Cobra Commander, he always throws like this temper tantrum, yells at his subordinates for their incompetence, usually destroys something, like throws a chair into the command console or, yeah. you know, shoots something. And it's just a hilarious clip of just like Cobra Commander yelling nonstop, you know, <gasps> you bumbling idiots. I've got it. We'll, uh, we'll put that in the show notes because you got to see that. It's yeah, I got to see clip. this. Yeah. They, they do that in Lego movie, you know, when the bad cop, he always gets mad. He always has to throw a chair. Yeah. And he always hits the guy with the chair all the time. So yep. that's a, a play on that. Yeah, that play on that That's trope. a common, common trope. But oh yeah. my gosh, the comedy on those, those plans. Are just the best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't get any funnier than that. But again, they actually made the episodes, and yeah, and I remember kids loved it. I remember loving these as a kid. I would when I, you're nine, you're like, why not? Yeah, these plans were phenomenal. I loved it. You know, the the only thing I remember being annoyed about the GI Joe cartoon was shipwreck. Oh, he was <laughs> he's the, your modulock. He's of, my modulock. Yeah, he was so like I don't know. Oh, for those of the listener, if you don't know, on the Make Attorney a Great Again podcast, they they hate Modulock with love, but yeah. that's like the the character they love. We love to diss on the most. Yeah, shipwreck was my shipwreck Modulock. would be your Modulock. Yeah, I could totally stand Cobra Commander's inane plans, but uh, shipwreck and that parrot he had was like no too much. He needs to be kind of the Kenny in South Park. He needs to die every episode. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Horribly. So for Lee, he's gonna somebody put together a YouTube video of uh, Roadblock death scenes oh, no. over and shipwreck. over again or shipwreck. shipwreck shipwreck death scenes over and over again there was in that in the aforementioned video of cobra commander like yelling at all the subordinates there was one clip in there where he turns around and just like 
punches the crap out of Shipwreck. Like, Shipwreck's tied to a chair, like oh. they obviously had him captured in this episode. He just turns and, like, wails on him. And I was Sweet. Like, yes! They didn't really do that in the con- or in the cartoons much, so they that's pretty... Been. No, he just... It, it was closed fist, no joke. Like, knocked the chair over. Oh, I bet you... Did you rewind that over and over again? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. You're going to put that on a loop and put that on YouTube <laughs> make it, video? <laughs> make it a gif. You know? Yes! Yes, make that a gif. That's awesome. Okay, so he has Cobra Commander. I've got Vicini. From the Princess Bride book slash movie. I, I've never read the book, but I know you have. I've read the book, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be basing most of mine off of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he is he created the Sicilian crowd because two's a company, three's a crowd. <laughs> That's where the name came <laughs> from. <laughs> so he's the mastermind behind their little group, Fezik. Excuse me. He's the muscle of the group. Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant, yes. Yep. And then Anigo Montoya. The world's greatest fencer or sword swordsman. Second best. Second best. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I use it in my left hand. Now, this is going to be tough to do without quoting the movie, so forgive us. Oh, that's like, yeah, Princess Bride, probably one of the oh. top two or three most quotable oh, movies I bet. of all time for me. Only one that might be close is maybe Tommy Boy. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. or Spaceballs, but yeah, oh, Princess Bride. Princess Bride, I quote it all the by time. By far. <laughs> Have fun storming the castle. Yes. Uh, there's so many great quotes oh, in that. Yeah, and I, I got a bit in here where they, they talk about it. but And he's trying to avenge his father. That's the whole bit. Oh, but, for Inigo Montoya. Yeah, for Inigo Montoya. Well, that's yeah. another whole great quote. Like, my name is Inigo Montoya. Oh, yeah. You killed my father. Prepare, Prepare to, to, die. to die. Oh, yes. <laughs> Constantly. Uh, Fazzini, Fazzini, excuse me, he recruits Fazique because he's unemployed in Greenland. Yeah. So he recruited him there and gave <laughs> him a job. That's where giants come from. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah all the time. And then Inigo, he is drunk and kind of a drunk loser so he recruits him and gives right. him a job and a purpose to help him find his father because yeah, the revenge business is very expensive it I is very expensive yes like yes <laughs> the revenge is very expensive. yes and so that's why he was able to recruit these two because he paid him off in the movie they don't really say where his money comes from i don't know if the book oh, the to that. yeah he's paid by prince humperdinck oh that's right okay prince humperdinck wants him to, to, to kidnap, kidnap princess buttercup. buttercup and kill her on the Gildor from yes. or whatever it is. So the whole whole thing, yes, yeah, uh, Humperdinck wants him to kidnap Buttercup to start a war with Gildor. So he's, uh, what does he, Vicini say that, uh, not the revenge business, but the uh, upset of countries is a very prestigious business yeah, with a yeah, long yeah. and storied history. history of, yeah, <laughs> so, causing wars or whatever. Start, yes. Starting wars, I think is what it is. Starting yeah, wars. Starting wars. Another great quote. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. So Vicini, just mm-hmm. like Cobra Commander, hatches this plan of, kidnapping Princess Buttercup and then making it look like Gildor killed her. But obviously, as we'll get to, it doesn't work out the way he wants to. But he's a, a bumbling leader who's very, again, narcissistic, like Cobra Commander. Because yeah, he, he can't even fathom anything going wrong. That's how yeah. narcissistic he is, which yeah. leads to his he's, token catchphrase. Yes, inconceivable, inconceivable. constantly. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you're using that word the way it was intended. <laughs> so he, Yeah, it's just like... Um, <coughs> It's like one of those people that they're so self-confident in their knowledge that they can't accept yeah. like reality. I don't know what, what that word would be. That, um, like, Egomaniacs? It's like a self-delusional state yeah. almost. And he just can't fathom anybody else even being able to even be half of his intellect. Right. So he he th- hatches this plan and doesn't think it's... it's Nobody can ruin it, but... Right. It's inconceivable. That inconceivable. Could wrong with my yes. plan. Yes, and yeah. he just gets upset. A bumbling leader, speaking of that, when I was working on this, the other bumbling leader I, I thought of at the time was President Scroob in Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's well, just yeah, so delusional. A, yeah, not only President Scroob, but um, the 
Rick Moranis character. Yeah, got yeah, Dark Helmet. Dark Helmet. Yes, I want to yes. say Dark Saber. That wasn't right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Helmet. Yeah, both. But, I'm like, who put these guys in yeah. charge? The only thing I reason I thought of Scrooge because he's the president and Dark Helmet's not. But but well, yeah, Vasini's yeah. kind of the Dark Helmet because he is, Prince Humperdinck. Yeah, Prince Humperdinck technically the, he's the one funding it. Right. So yeah, yeah, you're right. So it's actually the executor. He's yeah, the Dark Helmet. He's the Dark Helmet. But yeah, so I thought of Scrooge at the time too. Yeah. But yeah, he does think he's really smart because he says, "Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Morons! Morons!" <laughs> <laughs> so he thinks he's really smart, and he has his catchphrase, which we already alluded to, which was inconceivable. Yep. Every time the the man in black ruins his plans, he keeps saying inconceivable. Yeah. Um, he other catchphrases that I found that were really common because inconceivable, yeah, in, yeah. in pop culture is yeah. probably one of them. But don't. From Homer Simpson. Yeah. Uh, they killed Kenny, South Park. Yeah. What you talking about, Willis, from Different Strokes? Yeah. In fact, there's a shirt my sister-in-law got that says, I am what Willis is talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Of course, well, may the force be with you. Yeah. So well, I'm not trying to think if in this death match if Cobra Commander had a catchphrase thing would be like cobra mm. retreat yeah. <laughs> yes exactly he said that a well, lot why i mean when you're doing a fundraiser for them why would it fail how, yeah. how could you fail at that <laughs> so, and why so serious from dark knight of course yeah another trope that vicini uh, fills in is baldness the bald guy that's the cobra commander falls on that too when they took us oh off. yeah he was he a hairless yeah. blue guy with eight eyes so, so see yeah you know. he just had the eight eyes instead of no hair yeah too <laughs> But it talks about the evil baldness equates to lack of moral fortitude, and it can be applied to evil chancellors or mad scientists. Yeah, there's actually, um, I was reading about this, like, it's an ancient Greek, I think, thought. They, they used oh. to, like, equate, like, physical beauty to, like, goodness. So if you were an attractive person, you had, like, moral worth. And if you were an ugly person, you were obviously, like, your moral worth was less. Like, you were probably oh, a villain. Really? And, and this is just carried through to all sorts of tropes today. You know, the villains are usually not good-looking people. Yeah. And the heroes are usually, you know, physically okay, so, attractive. So that trope or line of thought is thousands of years old. Thousands of years old. Yeah, and I can't... I read about it. Forgive me, but some, like, Greek... It was some Greek philosopher's theory that... Probably like, Aristotle, but he's a moron. Yeah, he's one, of, <laughs> one of the morons came up with a theory. Like, physical beauty was uh, equated to, like, moral beauty or moral... Oh. Well, that makes sense because thing. if you look at stories comics or whatever the good guy is usually attractive right and then you can play with that trouble i mean like look at shrek you know he's a yeah he's a good guy that's ugly or whatever and then and the reverse is opposite you've got villains that have like a very charismatic beautiful appearance but True. they're like they have a dark soul or whatever so you can you can reverse that trope for sure uh, entertainment purposes as well but hmm. ah, good anyway interesting no i like that so other bald evil guys lord voldemort dr mm -hmm. willie from mega man he's oh, yeah. only partially bald yeah Charles Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons. <laughs> Smithers. Smithers. Ming from Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Lex Luthor. Yeah, Lex Luthor. Yeah, I'm just... God, Max Sydow as Ming. You just reminded me of that. What a great actor oh, yeah. to play that character in that Flash Gordon movie. Yeah, yeah. He plays great villains. I kind of forgot about him. But, yeah. Huh. Yep. Good point. So, yeah. You got the bald villain. That's what he, he uh, falls into. And then he obviously ends up... He... Sends the the sword fighter uh, Nigo after him, and he gets bested by the man in black. Yep. And then he sends the giant physique after the man in black, and he gets defeated. Yep. And then finally, he's the only one left, and so he has to do the battle of the minds. Right. Of I course. challenge you to a battle of wits. Battle of wits. There to we go. The death. <clears throat> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> 
And of course he has his famous line that you fell victim to one of the classic blunders, the most famous of which is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well known than this. Never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. And then he falls over dead. Yeah, and then he dies laughing. The maniacal laugh, and then he falls uphill. Which yep. I, I didn't I didn't realize that. He falls uphill yeah. when he dies from Iocane powder. Yep. And he does the same thing that Cobra Commander does. He never talks in an indoor voice. It's always loud, and he's angry all the time. He's angry at physique because he always talks in rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And then he has the he always has the breakdown, again, kind of the inconceivable when it just doesn't go right. He's angry, and I uh, just yeah. can't yeah, figure. If he had a command console and a chair, he probably would have smashed Yeah, that yeah, he would have. Yeah, you're right. He probably would have. <laughs> or if he had a shipwreck to punch. Yeah. You know, he just <laughs> yes. Yeah, there we go. He needs somebody to punch. But so that's, and, and I found out researching, I guess I've never done LARPing. I don't want to do LARPing, yeah. but I guess on a lot of LARPing groups, they're not allowed. Nobody's allowed to start quoting Princess Bride because then the whole group just starts quoting, quoting. Princess Bride it's and so they never get anything quoting. done. It's so quotable. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I thought that actual groups of people have the rule that no way can they quote. They put it off limits. You can't quote Princess Bride. Once you open a can of Princess Bride. You can't put it back you in. Yeah, you can't put it back in. <laughs> <laughs> and Vicini is one of those. Yeah. So there's my Vicini. So that's my, who put this guy in charge? That's right. So I guess it's up to the listener now to decide, like, who would you not want to work for the most? Yes. Commander or Vicini? Well, like we talked about, if you pit these two against each other, they would just have these ridiculous plans. Yeah. Like turning a nightclub into a rocket, rocket ship or selling missile franchises. <laughs> and then they'll just go spectacularly wrong. Yeah. So they might, Cobra Commander might have his missiles over here and Vicini would have his ships or what over here, yeah. but somehow they would fall apart right. and nothing would happen and they both end up <laughs> in prison. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they, I mean, in both of these programs, or whatever you want to call them, like they're both of their, their underlings or whatever you want to call them, people that work for them were constantly like ribbing against the yeah. system like yeah. cobra commander was constantly being overthrown or like fought against or you know they created Sepentor specifically to get rid of him yes and like vicini even like fessick and indigo were constantly like you know they're just looking at each other like, him, like uh, Why? We, you know we need the money but this guy's this guy's <laughs> not yeah yeah they can just they're just looking at each other you can the actors that did it did it perfectly they're yeah. like what this guy's an idiot yeah, they never went so far as overthrow him but no they, they definitely didn't their heart wasn't in it. They no. Were, they, they were strictly doing it for the money. For the money. Oh, yeah. yeah. By far. By yeah. far. But, yeah, just such a... If you haven't seen Princess Bride, highly recommend it. I, what's your opinion on the book versus the movie? I, I saw the movie first set of the book. Okay. And I love uh, the movie. It's just, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Not, not even, like, a romantic movie. Just one of my favorite... Probably True. my favorite romantic movie of all time, but just favorite movies all time, period. Um, the book, it's, it's also good. It's... For me, it's a little too wordy. Like, he goes on some... That's what I was... Like when some, I was researching, it's pretty long dialogue. Yeah, he'll go <clears> on some, like, Tom Bombadil moments where you'll appreciate where yes. it's just like, why do I have 80 pages of this nonsense? Yes, yes. You know, so it uh, it's good, but I would definitely, you know... I liked it, but uh, the movie's better for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I love... Vicini definitely makes the movie. Yeah. He's definitely one of them. I mean, I like the good, I like the good characters, but Vicini oh, yeah. and Andre... 
physique oh, Inigo, and then you go that all whole the side. Great. Well, I mean, um, Wesley's okay. Wesley's character is good, but I don't know. I, I kind of like uh, Vicini is just hilarious. Oh yeah, he's definitely <laughs> the, the funniest character. Only oh, about Billy Crystal's in there. Is, oh yeah, Miracle Max. Miracle Max. Yeah, and what's her name? The, his wife. Uh, oh, she's fam- famous too. Robin uh, Wright. No, uh, oh, Miracle Max's wife. Miracle Max's wife. I know who you're talking about. I forgot her actress name. She's a comedian. Khan? Is Madeline Khan? No. Oh. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't but remember. You're right. She's yeah. a comedian too. But yeah, um, Robin Wright's in there. She mm-hmm. plays Princess Buttercup. She goes on to be yeah. in the Wonder Woman movie. She plays one of the one of the Amazons. Amazons. Yeah. Oh, I the, forgot the, about the that. The lady who trains yeah. uh, Diana. That's right. I is, forgot uh, about Robin, that. That's Robin her. Wright. And she's in Forrest Gump. Yep. Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So who do you think would would win this, or what's your most hilarious combination of they go at it and then what hilarity ensues? <laughs> and maybe you can come up with a Cobra Commander scheme like like we've already had, but I don't know that you can get any more ridiculous than the ones you it listed. It would be hard to. <laughs> that was magic. Yes. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks, Lee, for doing this again. We'll yeah, thanks definitely... for having me again. Such a good episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as Lee and I enjoyed recording it. I always enjoy these nerd death matches because it's good fun just to get together with Lee and talk about these characters and have some fun with them. So go to covertnerd.net for all the show notes and then go on Facebook and search for the art of Lee Bachma. You can see his art there as well. You can also find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and leave a message. Let me know what you think about this episode. If you liked it, didn't like it, let me know who you think should win. And until next time, nerd it up.